Welcome to Music You're Missing, the modern radio station. After years of working in radio, I realized something wasn't clicking. There were so many artists that mainstream media just weren't giving proper treatment to, so I sought to change that, and Music You're Missing was born. From just starting out to signed, this interview-style podcast highlights artists you don't want to miss. Follow along to the regularly updated Music You're Missing Spotify playlist to discover even more can't-miss tracks. You're listening to Music You're Missing. My name is Brendan Gennetti, and today we're speaking to co-founder and CEO of Playlister Club, Danny Garcia. Danny and Playlister Club are changing the game. As we know, the music industry is ever-changing, and right now, DSP playlists are a huge factor in music consumption. In fact, over 31% of listening time on Spotify is spent on playlists. That being said, for the independent artists, getting on playlists is more challenging than ever, and that is where Playlister Club comes in. If you're unfamiliar with Playlister Club, they have over 70,000 playlists and 73 million combined followers. Playlister Club is home to the largest community of pre-vetted and independent playlisters, and it has a unique data-driven discovery platform so that playlisters like myself can discover music that they actually enjoy, and in turn, It allows artists to get more meaningful interactions on their music and more conversions to real fans. So I'm someone that works with independent artists quite often, and I know that Playlist or Club, along with similar sites like Submit Hub and Playlist Push, are huge in getting independent music in front of important music industry people's ears. Here to tell us more about the importance of the independent curator, founding Playlist or Club, and offer advice to independent artists as well as those interested in a career in the music industry, is co-founder and CEO of Playlister Club, Danny Garcia. Thank you for joining me. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. So I just kind of want to get right into it. For our listeners who may just be learning about Playlister Club, can you tell me a little bit about the company? Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, at Playlister Club, we help music creators build a fan base. There's 36 million new songs being released every single year that don't reach their intended audience. And we essentially made the platform to change that. Um, So we have a platform that automates the distribution, the marketing, the playlisting in particular for musicians, um, ultimately to help those musicians kind of build the fan base, increase their marketing, increase their streams. And our goal is to make music marketing accessible. When you said 36 million, <laughs> I just like gasped internally. That is so, so many. Yeah, there's right now there's around like 95 million combined wow. followers uh, around, you know, all the play. That's if you take all the followers for all the playlists that use our platform, it's almost 100 million. So it's definitely a sizable chunk of listeners uh, already that, you know, the playlisters control. Wow, that is super valuable. So, I mean, going off of that, why is something like that? something like Playlister Club, important in today's music industry and and with today's consumption habits? Yeah, I mean, if you kind of just, the numbers kind of like we're touching upon a little bit here at the beginning, it's like, it's just like staggering, right? So that yeah. that 36 million uh, new songs, like obviously that's 100,000 new songs being uploaded every single day. Um, and that was a number that increased from 60,000 just a few months ago. So it's like very much so, increasing every single year. Um, But, you know, the flip side of that is that 
with that mass amount of new content, there's a huge gap in listenership. So now only the top 0.007% of the artists are actually making 90% of the streams and subsequently the revenue. Wow. Uh, so it's basically like less than one one hundredth of, you know, the listeners are actually, or the streams are actually going to, uh, or other way around, one one hundredth of the artists are making all the streams, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, there's a big disconnect, right, in, in the music industry today, um, just because it's so easy to like make that content, release that content. Um, however, it's really hard to get heard now because there's so much music. And so uh, with Playlister Club, we're just leveraging technology. We want to make it cheap, easy, and effective kind of to grow that audience um, through you know our tools. That's really interesting. You mentioned just like how how things have changed in such quick time. I was uh, obviously Spotify Wrapped recently just came out. Yeah, yeah. So I did this thing where I took all my Spotify Wrapped and I from like 2016 I think was my first year and I put them on one playlist. And it was funny. Like in 2016 it was like top 40 radio. 2017 it was like top 40 radio. And then as time goes on, all of a sudden I see like more independent artists filter their way into my Wrapped, just because oh, now cool. it's way more accessible to release music. And obviously, you know, companies like Playlister Club are making it accessible to get their music actually heard. So it, it's definitely true. The music industry is changing and there's so much more space for those independent creators. Yeah, definitely. Who was, uh, who was your top uh, artist this year? So it was uh, Stephen Day. If you're familiar, he's been on the show two times. He probably won't come back on a third time because I'm like a fanboy. Um, yeah. <laughs> he, he's probably had enough of me at this point. I think I like DM him on Instagram every day. Um, but yeah, no, he was my uh, top artist. How about you? That's awesome. Um, mine, interestingly, was this band called Crumb. Um, okay. I think they're actually in out of Boston. Or oh, no way. maybe maybe Brooklyn. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, I guess they just were like my repeat kind of while working, while running album, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll have to check them out because if they're from Boston, uh, that's where I'm located. I'll have to get them. In yeah. Studio. Yeah. That's that's why I mentioned it. That's so sick. Um, so obviously, you know, you kind of touched upon what Playlist or Club does. There's there are other sites in this kind of like submission based software um, realm. Playlist or Club is different though. So can you tell yeah. me what makes Playlister Club different than its competitors? Yeah, I think that kind of comes down to, um, you know, our matching system and our matching algorithm. Um, I would say like, if you like short answer is the fact that, you know, we have a real tech platform behind uh, what we're doing. There's kind of a huge mine of data that allows us to tap into that data and then help you get heard better. Um, so the long answer there is kind of, um, we don't allow submissions directly on the platform. We're not an agency, so we're not taking like huge sums of money and then you know spreading that out amongst amongst curators. Uh, our platform is a discovery platform, so it's truly based off of what songs perform the best. Um, you know what songs playlisters actually like, mm -hmm. and that kind of allows the best music to bubble up to the top and achieve the best results. Um, so it's now not about you know who has the biggest wallet, who has the the highest bidder, right? Or who is the highest bidder? It's more about who has the best music. And uh, we did that by allowing curators to choose from a pool of music rather than allowing artists to submit directly to each curator. 
Um, so I would say that's kind of the big difference between our models. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, going deeper into it, there's like the fact that we have the largest community of independent playlisters. Uh, we also vet each curator that comes into the platform to ensure that they're actually real and there's no bots. Um, that's a huge on, thing. Like anyone yeah. that is in this scene knows that, or at least I hope that they know that so many of these playlists are fake. Like people can easily just go yeah. by playlist followers. So that is huge that you're able to pre-vet them to assure that they're actually driving authentic consumption. Definitely. It's, it's a huge problem. And I mean, I've been in this space for six years now and I've seen, you know, how it's changed over time and it's kind of unfortunate, but, um, you know, we've, been lucky enough to have the experience to kind of go in and and have the knowledge to kind of vet each one. And we do it manually still. We have ways of doing it automated, but manually we also kind of dive in there and make sure that everyone's real. And we actually establish a relationship with each curator too. So um, as they're coming in, we're asking them, hey, how did you grow your playlist? Provide us screenshots. And that kind of helps us um, really suss out who's kind of in it for finding great music and making great playlists and mm-hmm. who's in it for other kind of uh, reasons. And so that's kind of how we do it. But, you know, on top of all of it, I think it's the data that kind of keeps everything moving. And that allows us to move into like new areas that we're going into, like digital advertising and SEO, um, all becoming possible because of the data that we have on our platform. Yeah. And I just want to stress, I feel like, you know, your platform is really legit. You're definitely taking the right measures. Uh, Just even what you said, the playlisters going in there for the right reason. I remember some other sites, how I even really found out about them was because they were marketing that you can make money off of your side hustle as being a playlist. And as an artist, that's not beneficial. You don't want someone who's just there trying to to make money off their playlist. You want someone that like is actually trying to grow their playlist, has some type of either tie or platform that, you know, brings them within the music industry. So I I definitely really respect that from Playlister Club. Um, And then just like kind of going off that independent, playlist curator maybe i'm this is a selfish question because i am one um yeah but what why is there value in independent playlist curator i think it's it's crazy because it's around i think it's 31 percent of all streaming time on uh spotify spotify in particular happens on these independent playlists right so it's a huge chunk of listeners um, out there, there's over 3 billion user-generated playlists on Spotify. Um, so again, kind of the power in numbers there. Um, no one has really found a way to kind of put that into what you could call a safe space for artists to tap into, right? And that was kind of the idea and and the premise of what we were when we started the platform was like, what if we, what if there was a safe space that wasn't like crazy expensive, that wasn't full of bots, and that was all about like good music that allowed you to tap into as an artist. And that was kind of the premise. And so I think that kind of also is testament to like how important the that space is, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, just the power and how, how easily it is to find new artists through those independent playlists as well. Uh, so it drives the discovery, it drives the consumption. I will say it's one piece of the puzzle, but it's a super important piece for an artist to kind of get out there. And we've seen it just happen with a ton of, you know, artists that, they start at like a couple hundred monthly listeners, start moving the needle with the independent playlist, you know, play live shows, um, you know, do some ads, all of that like stacks on top of the independent playlist to move the algorithm. Then they land their first, first official placement. And then it kind of goes through, through that kind of story that we've seen happen time and time and again. Um, and I just think 
independent playlists are a key part of that. And, um, you know, they should have access to that. Certainly. And I, like I said, I selfishly asked that one, but I I certainly agree with you. And I I think another thing that's important for artists to keep in mind is like when you are working with a company or you're giving your money to a company, making sure that they're credible. Um, And you, my friend, are certainly very credible. Listen to this segue (laughs) because you wrote a piece for Rolling Stone. Uh, First of all, congratulations. That is like, you know, any journalist like end goal. Um, so I would love to ask you though, to elaborate on a specific quote from the article that I thought was really interesting. Um, you said creators have no concrete growth levers to pull and thus no real opportunities for ROI return on investment. So can you kind of just tell me more about what you meant by that? Yeah. Yeah. That, you know, um, I think what I was touching upon there is this idea that like by the time an artist has released a song, uh, we estimate that there's they've invested around five hundred to a thousand dollars on average in creating that song, mm-hmm. uh, just from market research that we do on the people that use our platform, and so that includes the equipment, the instruments, like software, mixing, mastering, distribution, X, Y, and Z. Um, and before you know all this DIY software and like Ableton and Splice and DistroKid that process was in the tens of thousands of dollars, right? Um, So with technology, you know, the barrier of entry is going down and more people are doing it. I think that the marketing side is still kind of in in that stage, right? Like everything that happens after the song is released is still almost in like the dark ages, the same way that the creation side was. Yeah. Um, It's it's like super costly to run an effective campaign. I think mostly because it takes that human capital to do it, right? So it takes people to run these campaigns and think up ideas and, and, and learn how to do Google ads, X, Y, and Z, but that's expensive. Um, and with the streaming royalty payout, the way that it is, it makes it really hard to like make money back. Right. Cause if I have to pay $3,000 for a marketing campaign, I need, need to make a lot of streams, right. To get that back. Yeah. Um, so the idea is that if they had these like do it yourself kind of growth levers, um, you know, and, and if those kind of levers, leverage automation to cut out humans um and whose pricing actually makes sense right so it's not thousands of dollars but maybe it's under 200 dollars. i think you could start seeing a lot more roi and like sustainable growth practices in the industry so i think that's kind of what i was touching upon with that article and with that quote and i think the other really important like point to the whole thing that i've been talking to a lot of people about actually over the past couple days is like this idea of like TikTok, right? And and how artists are now have to make all these other forms of content. And that's a totally valid way to grow an artist. And, and, you know, many argue that that's like the best way to grow an artist today. But the problem is not every artist is an amazing content creator. So uh, we want to make sure that, you know, on our end, we're presenting growth solutions that don't require more work from the artist, yeah. um, or make them do something outside of their core competency, which is like, you know, short form video content, right? Which is completely different to making an awesome song. And so the artist can focus on making great music and use our technology to bring new fans to it. And that still doesn't exist, you know, we think, which is why we're we're, we're trying to make it. Definitely. I mean, artists have to wear a ton of hats so much so that it actually removes them from what they are, which is an artist. Yeah. Um, so I'm actually kind of curious then, how, how do you see the creator economy evolving? Yeah, I think, um, you know, if you're looking at it a few years down the line, I think 
obviously everything is going more granular with like the growth. There's like, I think 16 million music creators out there and the sector, the independent music sector grows 30% year over year, wow. uh, like compound annually. So that's, it's like a lot, you know, it's growing very quickly. Yeah, like all of the a, numbers yeah. that you mentioned, by the way, just for anyone listening, like, I feel like we hear, you know, 16 million, 30 million, like when you really think about it, that is a ton, ton of people. And the fact that it's growing, you know, 30% year over is insane. It's wild. And it's just like shows like how, you know, how much room there is still to grow, right? I think mm-hmm. as well, because it's like, it's already at 16 and it's growing 30% year over year. It means that it still has a long way to go yeah. before you reach the cap. So, um, you know, if I think of the future of like the creator economy, like uh, with specifically with music, I think everything is going granular. So it's more segmented, it's more niche. And I, you know, I'm super invested in growing in, in, the, in the idea of like offering those growth tools for the creators. So if you start to think about like each one of these creators as like a little media company, like churning out this niche content, I think you begin to see how they're going to follow that same marketing cycle um, that traditional companies have. And so I think there's going to be a huge opportunity to offer like more growth tools for creators. And I think a lot of companies are going to pop up in this space because it's kind of like the, the space that still needs to be tapped into from a tech perspective, you can mm-hmm. say is like, all of the creation side, it's clearly like happened already, like, you know, with all the companies we've already named, but there's going to be a ton of new companies that pop up that are like, Hey, we know how to get your song in front of the exact niche, uh, that you need to get in front of, or get your video in, in, in this specific kind of content, like, um, community. So that's kind of the idea that I think, uh, everything is going to get more segmented and the opportunity is going to be in like, how do I tap into X, Y, and Z niche? Yeah, that's super interesting. I was recently at a tech conference, actually, and I was definitely like trying to pay attention to what music and tech had. I was like, hmm, there's a there's definitely some some missed opportunity here. Like you said, it was mostly like that the beginning step of, well, this is how you release your music or like this is how, you know, you connect with an artist to record your music. But like, what about when it's out? What, where, yeah. <laughs> what is that going to look like? Especially as, you know, we continue to develop and, and, or like, you know, the creator economy, like you mentioned, continues mm. to develop. It's a uh, very interesting and it's an important conversation. I feel like for artists to actually have when they think about the long-term investment of their careers. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's important because it's like, you know, you've put all this time and money into releasing this song and you don't want it to just like sit there and, you know, it's, each one of those songs is another opportunity to get more traffic to you, mm-hmm. more, more people listening and into your world as an artist. So you don't want to miss that opportunity and, and just keep releasing music out into the ether, basically. Definitely. So, Danny, you've been working in the music space for quite some time now. So I would love to ask you some advice on behalf of independent artists, if that is cool, of course. Um, yeah. What should an independent artist have in place before they actually release their music? So I would say there's probably like three sections that I would suggest to focus on. And I, you know, I, this is coming from my background as an independent artist myself when I was, you know, I've been playing in bands since like fifth grade, you know, so I've been there and I kind of have learned just from releasing music, working with other artists now that like, I think the first thing that you want to establish is like the brand. Um, and it's like what, before you even like, you, the song might be done. Right. But it's like, 
you really need to think about what you listeners feel, right? When they find you online, when they're listening to the song, when they look at your profile and that vibe kind of needs to be locked down and, and unique and just tell a story in a specific way. Um, and I think that that's one of the hardest things to do. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like ethereal and it's not like super like, uh, like I can do this, right? But it's super important to have that kind of locked in so that, you know, people can kind of understand what your what your goal is as an artist almost when they find you. Um, and then I think the second section, once you have that brand locked in is like, I always suggest kind of going into almost like this testing phase, like uh, with the song where it's like, showing it showing the song or the album to friends um showing it to like people in your close circle getting them to give you feedback what are they like reacting to what are they not reacting to all those insights are super important because they can almost like you know inform your marketing campaigns um and just like even the production like people don't like when i use x synth or whatever you know in the song um, but also playing live is like an amazing way to do it. If you can, if you have the opportunity to do that, it's the, the best way I think to test out that because you get that live feedback. Right. Um, and then once you have the brand set up, the, the testing kind of done, I would say like going into like scaling the marketing side. Um, so, you know, once you release the song and kind of like also even before you release the song, um, having an idea of what the marketing is going to look like, um, you know, how much money do you have to spend? It doesn't have to be a lot. You know, mm-hmm. I think now there's tools like ours that make it easy to amplify it with a little bit of money. Um, but just like, how are you going to grow it beyond just the listeners you already have? And that's a super important thing to have fleshed out, like before you release the song. Yeah. I mean, those were great points and I am just going to like reemphasize the fact that there should be a lot of planning before you don't need to like you know go crazy planning all of these elaborate campaigns but you certainly do need to have some type of idea of you know how how that marketing is going to look like if you plan on being a full-time artist like if you plan to turn this into a career if this is your passion project go wild with it but like if Yeah. yeah you want that sustainable growth like these are things you absolutely need to be doing or find someone that can do them for you as well. <laughs> yeah, touche. Um, yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, so what mistake do you see indie art indie artists making and what do you think they should be doing instead? Um, so I think the tides have kind of changed on this one. And I think for me, it's like now I'm, I'm learning it too. Like I work with an artist, um, Brett Castro, artist here at Brooklyn, uh, and we release a ton of music. And I think it's it's about having a steady stream of releases. Um, and before we've played around with like albums, EPs, like releasing every four months, releasing every month, I think you need to be releasing right now, um, you know, not wait more than two months between singles. Um, and I've been taught, I, I was with another artist last night, um, Yellow Shoots, also an artist here in Brooklyn, awesome kind of artist too. Um, but he was like, you know, took some time off. We, you have to rebuild, right? Like basically like there's an initial spike in listeners and attention to your profile. But after that two month mark, if you don't have another release, um, it starts to taper off mm-hmm. and you kind of go back down to like where you were before the past release. So you have to do double the work to get back, you know? So it's like this whole, um, you know, kind of steady state of releases that for better or for worse is kind of just the reality that artists are living in right now. And so I think that's one of the biggest mistakes that you can make is like you wait too long in between releases and lose all the work and investment you did 
in this release, uh, just, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, that even ties back into the first question of what can you do before you release a song? Plan your yeah. release after the first release. After, exactly. Yeah, I think, I th- like, if, for example, with Brett, like, we do, we plan, like, the next, like, six months of releases once they're ready. is just, like, have it ready and have your content, you know, schedule ready as well. So that's the, um, yeah. Cool. So one more question for you for independent artists. What do you think are the best ways for an indie artist to get their music into new ears? I think um, there's another kind of almost like roadmap that I have that I kind of think works in a solid way. I would say um, having that content that we were just touching upon, like whether that be Instagram, TikTok, has to be like a cohesive kind of with the brand, obviously. Um, But have that running like at least two weeks before the release on like posts right so that you can kind of kickstart the algorithm because if you just post like hey my new song is out after not posting for three months it's a similar thing like no one's going to pay attention it's not even going to get shown so kickstarting the algorithm um and then also like you can use that as an opportunity to do like storytelling right for like the release being like kind of what inspired the release what it's about um once the song is out i think there's kind of i guess like three things right now that are low cost and work really well independent playlisting being one of them i know i'm biased as well but like independent playlisting um targeted social media ads work really really well in tandem with playlisting Mm -hmm. um and then also blog write-ups because blog write-ups kind of play into that um you know storytelling side of it as well even though they don't drive as many streams um so like obviously doing all of that on a consistent level doubling down on which one is working best and then I think the final piece to the whole thing, and I still think this is the most effective way to get to new ears, is playing live shows. Like yeah. it's still like a hundred percent like the way that you can like make the biggest splash um, and just make an instant connection with the people that are there. So um, I think one of the coolest ones that I think is really easy to kind of not I wouldn't say easy, but like accessible is uh, so far sounds. Like most cities have the so far. Uh, opportunities you can play you know get on as many bills with them as possible because they actually don't make it so that you have to bring out fans like Mm -hmm. they bring the fans to the shows and you just get to showcase in front of them which removes like a huge burden that many artists have which is like okay i can't play that many shows because if i play you know three shows a month like i can only get my friends to come out to one of them right um so the so far opportunity is like amazing and tap into that if it's in your you know local scene yeah, definitely. So going off that, you just gave advice for independent artists, but you're a music entrepreneur yourself. Um, so I'm interested to know what advice you would have for someone looking to start their own company in the music space. Um, I think like from what I've learned and just like the, sh- the the time that I've been spending doing it, I think it's it's all about value and, and like what value can you provide to artists or whatever, whatever player you want to serve in the music space, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that be labels, artists, like how can you improve, you know, their experience? How can you improve and bring actual value to the table? And if you're able to kind of stay true to that, you know, in a and it's real tangible value, I think you'll have like a successful venture um, in in the space. Definitely. And I'll add to that and say, like, have an elevator pitch. Like there, there's been a lot of yeah, times yeah. where people try to talk to me about like what they're trying to do or like trying to sell. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Like, what do you do? And they're like, well, um, I'm like, OK, well, I'm going to yeah. go. So I don't really know what it is that you do. And I don't have time to Google it. So like definitely just like 
kind of know what you're doing before you actually actually execute it. Um, of course. Yeah. And it's like, a, it's, it's also, I don't even know if it's like, they don't know, uh, that, that what they're doing. I think it's more of like a communication kind of roadblock because mm-hmm. I've, I've faced it too, where it's like, people are like, what do you do? And you have to explain like this whole tech platform with playlists and artists and labels and like, it's super complicated, but it's like, how do you boil down what you're doing into like literally one sentence? It's super challenging. And I change that sentence probably every month <laughs> for us. So like, um, it's, you got to just kind of keep testing it. And a- a- another piece of feedback that I got from someone was like, actually, um, a- or advice was like to actually do it so that it's, it's almost like you get them to just like bite. You, you have like a one liner that doesn't even say that much. And then people are like, oh, like they're intrigued. Like you've, you've piqued their interest. So now they're actually listening and you can get to explain your thing in a little bit more in depth. Right. So mm-hmm. like, that's why I say, you know, we help music creators build a fan base and people are like, how, how do you do that? What, like, you know, I'm not like, we're a tech platform that does this. We're just like, we help music creators build a fan base. So typically people are like, if you're explaining it to someone over dinner or whatever, they're like, Oh, you know, that's interesting. How do you do it? Like, what do you do? Like X, Y, and Z is it a tech platform. Like, so then they ask you the questions and then you're put in a position where you can actually explain it uh, with more time instead of like, you know, so that's something that I've been working on too. So I'm, I wouldn't say I'm, I'm great at it just yet, but I'm working on it. No, that's actually a great point. I'm going to have to come up with something like that. Like what does music yeah. do? Oh, we make artists famous. Oh, how? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like even just saying that you're like, okay, like now, you know, you've piqued my interest. Yeah. Know? I mean, I might be lying a little bit, but it is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, Danny, this has been a great conversation. Um, I would just love to wrap it up with one final question. Curious. What is your proudest moment uh, this year? And what do you hope to accomplish in the new year? Yeah, for me, I think my proudest moment has been actually launching the platform um, in 2019, August of 2019. It took a lot of ups and downs to, for us to get to that moment mm-hmm. uh, with the team. And I think it marks like, you know, a big kind of like push for us, right? Like saying like, okay, we actually did this. We put this out into the world. And every day when I kind of come into work and I see the impact that the platform actually has with like releases and actual artists and when they kind of give us feedback even if it's bad sometimes it's like it's great to see that we're actually having an actual impact on people's kind of career and and, you know goals as an artist because that's kind of what we set out to do with the platform Um, and so it's great to see that it's actually happening Um, and in the same vein i think like looking ahead at what i what we want to accomplish as a company i think um you know we're on the cusp of launching this whole new suite of products called song tools and that's kind of the expansion of this platform beyond playlists into digital advertising, automated blog creation, like cloud storage. There's a lot of stuff that we've been building over the past year um, and we're making it all super accessible, um, super easy to use for artists. And we're launching that in January. So wow. I hope this new tool set like really propels artists you know, forward, gets their music into new heights, even more so than we've been able to do with playlists. Um, and just the early tests that we've been running are like looking super promising. So, uh, yeah, I just hope that launch goes smoothly and, and, you know, people love, love the platform as much as we do. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it will go super smoothly and and they will, uh, respond positively. Congratulations. I mean, this was definitely a great year for Playlister Club and I'm excited to see what's in store. Yeah, no, me too. And, and, and likewise, I, yeah, I know you guys have been growing everything over there as well. So I'm super pumped to see how you guys 
kind of continue everything and and you know you guys are definitely friends of the platform <laughs> friends of us so uh, whatever we can keep doing together to kind of help each other grow. I'm super, super pumped about it.